He knows who we need and what we need. Amen? All right. Um, if you are a mother or a mother figure, then, uh, and, and maybe you missed the announcement at the very beginning, on your way out, we would like to give you a rose, okay? As, as long as supplies last, I should say. <laughs> but we would like to give you a rose, um, so just make sure to walk out these doors here, and we'll have a few of our young adults just, just waiting to give you a rose there. Um, this morning, we are going to, to do a study. And uh, we're going to start a series called Day of Delight. You've probably already seen it in your bulletins. And uh, can anybody take a wild guess what day we're talking about when we say Day of Delight? Say it again. Okay, I was just making sure I didn't hear anybody say football Sunday or something like that. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're talking about the Sabbath. We're talking about the Sabbath. It is the day of delight. In fact, if you take your Bibles, uh, go with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 is in the Old Testament. Um, maybe you've got a Bible that uh, you brought with you or one that's in your pew in front of you. Just uh, crack your Bible maybe a little bit more than halfway and you'll find probably uh, either Psalms or Proverbs, and just go a little bit to the right, go to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58, and we're going to just uh, start our study here in the first two verses, Isaiah 58, verses 13 through 14. When you're there, go ahead and say amen. amen. Okay, if you're turning, I'll give you a little bit more time still. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14, this is spoken to a group of people who, who have known the will of the Lord but have needed to be reminded how to come back to it. Apparently they had turned around, and God was calling them back to it. In Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14, and before we even begin to read, let's bow our heads for prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, we ask that just now as we open up these pages of Scripture, we would not just treat this as an intellectual exercise, that we would not just see this as black ink on paper, but that we would seek to hear the living God. Please, speak to us. Inspire us, instruct us, and send us the Holy Spirit of truth that guides us into all truth. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 13 and 14. If you haven't had a chance to read this entire chapter, go ahead and take this, some time this afternoon. Read Isaiah 58 in its entirety. It's sobering. It's challenging. And at the very end, these last two verses, it culminates this idea of coming back, of restoring a relationship with God, and it gives us a key through the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, verse 13, begins like this. Reading from the New King James, the Bible says, If you turn away your foot from what? the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall what? Delight yourself in the Lord. I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This is a powerful promise. It's a promise that has an if and a then, right? If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, the idea is that apparently people were actually not turning their foot away from the Sabbath. I remember the first time that I became aware of etiquette at a graveyard. Um, when I was a young person, you know, my parents would take us to the gravesite of my grandparents every now and then. 
And uh, being a young person I, with older siblings, I liked playing tag and hide-and-go-seek and having home base and things like that. But apparently, you weren't supposed to use gravestones. You weren't supposed to use gravestones to be that home base. I learned quickly to turn away my foot from those gravestones. Do you understand what I mean by that? And here in Isaiah 58, verse 13, where the people are being called to turn away their foot from the Sabbath because apparently they had been trampling on God's Sabbath, God's holy day. They had not been making it honorable. And if you notice, if you read carefully, look at what it is that, that they're doing that doesn't make it honorable, that, that tramples it. It says, if you turn away from your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. You see, the rest of that verse, all of those details, gives further specifications of how not to trample on it. Is it possible for the Sabbath to be trampled upon, not just in regards to the day we keep it, but the way we keep it? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> in, in, our, in our circles, because of the religious climate that we live in, in which Sunday keeping is a very common practice, a lot of our conversations about Sabbath have, have, have centered upon the day of Sabbath, but not necessarily the way of Sabbath. Not to say that the day of Sabbath is not an important thing. No, no, don't get me wrong. But if we assume that we understand the way of Sabbath, then really what, what happens is we leave it up to individual interpretation. And if you've, uh, if you've ever read the book of Judges, when there is no king in the land, everybody does what's right in their own eyes, right? <laughs> and that's not necessarily the safest practice. And so what we want to look at in this series is, okay, let's, let's take an honest look. What is the way of Sabbath that the Bible points out? Not just what I'm used to, not just what's convenient, but what is the way of Sabbath? And not just from a duty orientation, like this is what I should do, but I would suggest from a delight orientation. Notice, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a duty and drudgery, is that what the Bible says? No, 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 no. Call the Sabbath a delight. Friends, in this series, what we're going to focus on is how to keep Sabbath. Is that okay? How to keep Sabbath. Again, not, not from a duty orientation, but from a delight orientation. Why? Because this is not something that is left up to our individual interpretation. The Bible gives us specific principles. Principles to base our lives on. Principles to live our lives upon. And what's beautiful about this is that when we call the Sabbath a delight, we will find our delight in the Lord. Did you see it? It's, this, is, this is not just some flat-out instruction and rebuke. This is a promise. This is a promise that when we call the Sabbath a delight, we will find our delight in the Lord. Let me ask you a question. When you think of the word delight, what things come to your mind? What things come to your mind? Happiness? Sweet? For some reason, I just thought of marshmallows. <laughs> Derek, what, what you got? What do you think of? What do you think of? Joy? Awesome, awesome. And what other words or emotions or pictures come to your mind when you think of delight? Ice cream? Yeah, after I said marshmallows, huh? <laughs> Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, these are great pleasures, right? What's interesting is that this Hebrew word for delight 
The noun form of this word, as we see it here in Isaiah 58, verse 13, is found only one other time in Scripture, in Isaiah 13, verse 22. And it's in reference to royal palaces of pleasure. It's in references to citadels that are fit for kings. It's in reference to a royal experience. In other words, the kind of delight that the Sabbath really is, it's a luxurious delight. Some concordances say it's an exquisite delight. Which tells me something, that if the Sabbath really is an exquisite or luxurious delight, it is one, it is rare, that means it's different from the delights of this world. And two, it is royal. That it puts us in relationship with the king. Amen. That's the kind of delight. that we're, This is a day of delight. And then, like I said, the promise in verse 14 is, if we call the Sabbath a delight, then, verse 14, then you shall delight yourself. There's that same word, except now in the verb form. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, when the Sabbath is this kind of royal delight to us, then we will delight ourselves in the Lord. It's a very interesting concept because the Bible actually uses this verb quite often, the things that we delight ourselves in. Actually, go with me to Job. Job hold your finger here in Isaiah 58. Maybe put a pencil or a bookmark or a piece of paper. And go with me to Job chapter 22. Job is right before the book of Psalms. Job chapter 22, and I believe it starts in verse 24. Job 22, verse 24. When you're there, go ahead and say, I'm there. All right. Job 22, beginning in verse 24. Notice the... the uh, comparisons that are being made. It says in verse 24, Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Okay, so it's a picture of someone who's laying aside their precious gold, saying, ah, I don't need this anymore. Verse 25 says, Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver saying, okay, this is corruptible stuff. This is just uh, uh, this is stuff I could trade at the market, but God himself, oh, he is something I wouldn't trade anything for, okay? And then in verse 26, for then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. So when we're talking about delighting yourself in the Lord, we're actually talking about finding in him something that no one or nothing else can give where God himself becomes your gold and silver, where God himself becomes your most precious possession. Do you delight yourself in the Lord? If you were to take an honest review of, of your walk with God, are you delighting yourself in the Lord? Maybe sometimes there are ebbs and flows where there are spiritual highs saying, God is amazing. And maybe there are times where God is the last thing on your mind. If you long to be in a relationship with God that, that says, hey, God is my gold and silver. He is number one. Nothing else could take his place. Then that is a relationship that is available to each and every one of us. And according to Isaiah 58, it's available through the Sabbath. 
Another place in which uh, this, this idea of finding delight is found is in Isaiah 55. Go with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Isaiah 55, just a few chapters earlier from the place where we started. When you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. Isaiah 55, again, these are, these are messages or invitations given to a people who are, who are needing to return to God. In Isaiah 55, God is asking them some simple questions. He's actually giving them an invitation in, in verse 1. Come, come to the waters, come buy and drink. Hey, hey these, these things are going to satisfy. In verse 2, he's asking some heartfelt questions. He says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Have you ever found yourself putting out for something that doesn't have any returns? Kind of like, you know, throwing your, uh, your, your efforts and your attention and your energy and your loyalties to something or to someone even. And then you, you don't feel any satisfaction from that. There's an emptiness that results in that. God is asking, hey, why do you keep doing that? <laughs> why do you keep doing that? And the alternative, according to the rest of that verse, is listen carefully to who? me. God is basically saying, hey, look, all these things are going to leave you empty-handed. Listen to me. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. The real delight, the real deal is in our Savior Jesus Christ. That's where true satisfaction is. And the times in which we feel like our relationship with God is, is dry is possibly because we are finding delight in other things. And Isaiah 55 verse 2 is simply inviting us, hey, come to the waters, come to me, because I truly satisfy. I truly satisfy. Now the question that, if you turn back to Isaiah 55, or excuse me, Isaiah 58, in Isaiah 58 verse 13, you have this idea of calling the Sabbath a delight and then almost just a, in the same breath, it says, if you turn away from doing your pleasure on my holy day. It's interesting because it seems like there's a, a contradiction or there's an exclusion that delight is different from pleasure. So how, how does that work out? How does that work? Is, is delight mutually exclusive from pleasure? Here's the point. It's God's delight, our pleasure. It's God's honor or our ways. Are, are you seeing the distinction there? In other words, true delight, true delight comes from focus on God and His work, not just our own. If that makes sense, go ahead and say amen. Yeah, okay. Maybe you're deeply into your notes and you're just trying to figure out, chewing on this, and that's okay. Um, maybe... Uh, Here's another way it has been stated. Actually, I was reading an article in, in Ministry Magazine just last month, and this is actually what got me thinking about this stuff because I realized that, that there was areas of growth in my own experience where I needed to grow my experience of delight in God's day. And uh, the, the article was entitled Day of Delight, and this is how she says it. She says, uh, It is not that we do not have pleasure, but we experience our greatest pleasures when we realign our priorities with His. And then it quotes from Psalm 40, verse 8, where it's a prophecy of, of Jesus. It says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your laws within my heart. That's where true delight is. It's not void of pleasure, but it's finding our greatest pleasure in God's priorities, not mine. 
So back to Isaiah, how many of us would love to have this kind of relationship with God, where he is my all, where he is my everything? How many of you would long for that? Yeah? I would. I would. Where God is my gold and silver, I, I would lay aside anything. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, right? I would long for that. And according to this promise, like I said, it's a promise. If this promise is true, this promise is on condition. The simple condition of turning our foot from the Sabbath. Turning our foot from the Sabbath and calling that day our exquisite, luxurious, royal delight. If Sabbath delight is a catalyst to finding our delight in the Lord, if Sabbath delight is, is an instrument through which we can uh, interweave our interests with God's and really be one with Him, then it begs the question, how can I call the Sabbath a delight? How can I enter into a Sabbath experience that is truly delightful and not just dutiful? Do you understand what I mean? Uh, maybe you've had some of those Sabbaths. I'm doing Sabbath because I'm supposed to. Oh, <laughs> it's honest. Confessions of a pastor too. Okay, here we go. Let's be real here. The Sabbath is a day of delight, not of drudgery. So now the question is practically, how? How do we do this? I would love to answer this question. And that's what we're going to do this entire series, okay? So the basic question is, how can I keep the Sabbath not from a duty orientation, but a delight orientation? Take your Bible with me, and let's take a look at God's example, because he is the one who celebrated the first Sabbath. Amen? Okay? In the beginning, right? And so we're actually going to go to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Actually, let's go to... Can we quickly go to Exodus 20 also? Yeah, same book, different chapter. Exodus 20 and then chapter 31. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. This is where the Ten Commandments are first written. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. So if you've found the table of contents, go to Genesis and then Exodus right after. If you're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, go ahead and say amen. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. I imagine that some of you may even have this memorized. Beginning in verse 8 all the way through 11, there is the Sabbath commandment. And as we read these familiar words, I want to ask the question, as God gives us instruction, what is the reason? Okay, what's the rationale? All right, take a look. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and did what? Rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Did you hear the instruction? The instruction is given pretty plainly in verses 8, 9, and 10, right? Remember the day? Rest on the day. Amen. Paid vacation. Yeah? Seriously. Who is a God like him who would actually require us to rest? Think about this. In the context of the ancient Near East, where this pantheon of gods, this, this mythology of this God and that God, who you have to appease or satisfy by doing this or that in order to get what you want. And here's the God that says, you know what? I've given you everything. If you really want to honor me, rest 
can do nothing. Praise the Lord for a God like that. So the, the, the instruction is clear. Remember and rest. And then verse 11 begins with one simple word. What is it? For. Because. Introducing a causal relationship, right? The inspiration or rationale. Because in six days, who? The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Here's the principle. We remember and rest because God rested. Yeah? We work six days and rest the seventh because God worked six days and rested the seventh. Okay, so here's this idea that God's instruction for us on Sabbath is really something he has already modeled to us. He's already modeled it. Do you understand that, yes or no? Yeah? Okay, here's, let's go to Exodus 31 now. Exodus 31. We could actually settle for a long time just in those uh, words right there, but I want to show you something not so familiar. Here we go, Exodus 31. Exodus 31, just a few chapters over. When you found it, say, I found it. Okay, we're taking a look at verse 16 and 17. By the way, if you're taking notes, I highly encourage it. These are verses that you definitely want to just chew on throughout the week. Exodus 31, verse 16 and 17. And notice he's going to give us instruction, but then he's going to give us a rationale based on, guess whose example? God's example, okay? He's going to give us instruction based on his own example. All right, verse 16 and then verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore... The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. And then what's the next word? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. And what's the last word in your Bible there? Was refreshed. Okay, we're just going to settle down, hunker down here. These are some powerful words, okay? First of all, in verse 16, it says, Therefore the children of Israel shall, my Bible says keep. What does yours say? Observe, okay? Mine says keep the Sabbath to observe, okay? These are, those are actually two different words. Keep the Sabbath in order to observe. In Hebrew, it's shamar the Sabbath in order to asah the Sabbath. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> Shamar is actually the word for guard and protect. So we could read this, guard and protect the Sabbath in order to, okay, what's that next word? Asa. That is to make or to do. Guard or protect the Sabbath in order to make the Sabbath. Why? Because in verse 16, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Okay, six days God made, seventh day he rested and was refreshed. What's awesome is that true rest is set. It's set up by six days of work. Have you ever noticed that the best vacations that we take are the ones that we really work hard to make. Sometimes we know that vacation is coming, but then like, we get so busy with the stuff that is now that we actually forget to make plans or uh, whatever the case might be. And then when we're on vacation, we're trying to make phone calls and stuff to, to fix the things that we really didn't get done before that vacation. 
I remember being a college student, just waiting for Thanksgiving break. Thanksgiving it happens to be like one of my favorite holidays. Actually, probably my favorite. <laughs> Except when there's a 10-page term paper that's hanging over your head <laughs> that you need to have done at the end of break. And so here's the thing. The, the best way to rest is if we prepare for it. God set this example. Before his seventh day rest, he had six days of work. Now, some might say, what, was God tired? <laughs> was God tired after those six days? What's interesting is that when it says that God rested and was refreshed, that word refreshed, it's actually this, it's, it's related to that word in Genesis 2, verse 7, where it says God breathed, into, uh, God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living being. Man became alive. In other words, man became refreshed. So here, it's almost as if God actually took an enlivening breath on the Sabbath day himself. He worked six days and then, yeah, and then he's all done. <laughs> he refreshed. He sat back and he enjoyed his creation. God's work in the six days set up the runway for Sabbath rest. That first Sabbath, was an enlivening breath of fresh air to the Almighty God. That's what God's example was. And now he's calling us to follow that same example. And, and so in verse 16, where it says, uh, you know, therefore the children of Israel shall keep or guard or protect the Sabbath, I hear in that a principle of prepar preparing yourself so that you guard it against any intrusion that would try to rob you of rest. There are times when we are surprised by rest, that rest and refreshment and delight just kind of, oh, I, I didn't even expect that. But there are, the, the best rest comes when we actually plan and prepare for it. That's why, that's when we can truly be refreshed. The runway to rest, that Sabbath delight, it involves prior preparation. It involves prior preparation, not just because, you know, that's what the Sabbath command says. No, because that's how God modeled it, and that's how humanity is built. It requires some prior preparation to keep and to guard our ability to delight ourselves in the Lord. Actually, later on, when we uh, pick up this series uh, later on this month, we'll actually take a specific look at some delight, destro uh, delight destroyers, okay? We'll look at those things that try to rob us of rest, those things that we should guard against, those things that we should protect the Sabbath from, but more on that later. What I want us to see is that God is calling us to guard it. God is calling us to protect it through prior preparation. Are we following that so far, yes or no? Yeah? Okay. The other example here that I think is really powerful is that in verse 16, there's another instruction. It's not just to guard and protect it, not just to shamar the Sabbath, but it says, therefore, verse 16, therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath. And do you remember what I said that Hebrew word was? Yeah, it was asa, which means to make it, which means to make it. And in the very next verse, that verb asa shows up again, except who is doing the making in verse 17? What? The Lord is. And what is he making? The heavens and the earth. In other words, when God invites us to asa the Sabbath, 
He's inviting us to do it the same way he assad the heavens and the earth. Now let me ask you a question. In the movie in your mind, when you imagine creation, do you imagine God approaching this vast void in a robotic fashion, monotonous voice, emotionless, let there be light? No. Or do you picture like me, I don't know, maybe your imagination is clever. I just picture God just kind of like sneaking up, like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Let there be light! And suddenly the whole color spectrum just hits all across the heavens and the earth. He's splashing this over here and that over there. Oh, I can't wait till they see this. And in Job 38, verse 7, it actually says that the morning stars sing with joy. It's a reference to the angels who are watching God create earth. And it says in Job 30, 38, verse 7, that they sing for joy, that they're shouting. Why? Because this is the most awesome thing they've ever seen. God is assigning heaven and earth. And when I picture that and import that into verse 16 of Exodus 31 where God is actually saying, hey, I want you to guard the Sabbath so you can assah the Sabbath. He's actually giving us creativity, like the license, the permission to be just as creative and joyful as God was in the beginning of the creation as we are with the seventh-day Sabbath. Let that sink in for just a little bit. We are invited to make every seventh day, we are invited to create every seventh day with that kind of passionate creativity and inspiration. That's awesome. Did you know that that's what the Sabbath was for? <laughs> or was it just the day to show up at church? I tell you what. God was, was not just some harebrained, uh, mad scientist, kind of not quite sure what was going to happen if he kicked the can over over here. You know. No, no, no. He was very intentional. He was an artist that knew exactly where everything needed to be, but he was passionate about it. Oh. And he was, oh, he was a lover of beauty. In the same way, God invites us when every seventh day comes. He says, be an artist with your Sabbath. Be an artist. Create Sabbath delight. The truth is that this involves intentionality. It involves doing it on purpose. And yes, it involves, like we said earlier, preparation. It's not just preparing those things that I want to guard and shamar the Sabbath from, but it's actually an invitation to prepare those things that I want to assah and make the Sabbath with. I'll be honest, for a long time, and this is, you know, last month when I began to read this article and just kind of challenged me on day of delight, I, I realized that a lot of my, sur, uh, my Sabbath preparation was all about the things to free myself from on the Sabbath rather than investing myself in, hey, what can I prepare to put into the Sabbath? And this is what God is inviting us for. Don't just guard it, but guard it so you can make it. Make and create it to be a Sabbath royal delight, a rare delight that none of this world can ever replace. That's what the Sabbath is. It's actually a memorial of paradise. It was given to the original couple, Adam and Eve. Do you realize that the very first sunset Adam and Eve ever saw was the beginning of Sabbath? Come on. 
every seventh day, we get to go back to Eden. And we think to ourselves, oh no, it's Sabbath. Come on. Right? Oh, God is calling us back home every seventh day. Make this your paradise. And sometimes we go about it. I'm guilty of this too. We go about Sabbath uh, more from an evolutionary way. Oh, it'll just happen rather than a creationist way. Let's do it on purpose. (laughs) Sabbath delight doesn't just happen. That's why God is saying, make it. Make it. And what does this mean? Does this mean that I get to fill it with all kinds of fun and pleasure that I long to do? Like we talked about, delight is different from pleasure. It's aligning our pleasure with God's pleasure. So we get to fill it with those things that honor God. Isaiah 58, remember the holy day of the Lord, honorable. By the way, that word honor in Hebrew, kabod, it actually means to make something weighty, heavy, with significance and meaning. So when we're creating the Sabbath, we're not just creating a day where I get to, you know, put my feet up and just like indulge all of my senses. No, no, no. We're creating the Sabbath to, to fill it with those things that make the honor of God weighty and of supreme importance in our lives. That's the privilege that we have every seventh day. The day of delight doesn't just happen. It is for us to create. Sabbath delight is not by evolution, but by creation. Amen? And just as God creatively and joyfully filled the heavens and filled the earth, we can creatively and joyfully fill the Sabbath, not just with aimless amusements, but with those things that will honor God and make Him the weighty priority in our life. Creatively filling the Sabbath with those things that will cause and strengthen our delight in Him. Creatively filling those things. Or if you're ever wondering, what should I put into this Sabbath? What should I make the Sabbath with? Ask yourself this question. Will it strengthen my ability to cause God to be my gold and silver? Will it strengthen my ability to look to God as the one who supremely satisfies? Or would would it only distract and detract from that? that? That's a simple filter right there. What can I fill the Sabbath with that will make God more weighty and honorable in my life? So what are the practical takeaways? What are the practical takeaways from here? Here's principle number one. Here's the big idea. Here's delight do number one. You ready? (laughs) Delight do number one. We've already said it. Prepare. Prepare. And there's two dynamics of that preparation. Dynamic number one is to prepare to intentionally guard and protect Sabbath delight. Recognize those things that might intrude upon your ability to rest. Prepare in advance during the six days. During the six days. The the other dynamic of prepare is to prepare creatively to make the Sabbath a delight. So don't just prepare what to guard and keep out of the Sabbath. Prepare what you can fill the Sabbath with that will make weighty your relationship with the Lord. Does this make sense today, yes or no? Yeah? So here's my simple challenge. Maybe you can do this now. Maybe you can do this at your tables at Potluck when you go home. But I I would encourage you to do this, whether individually or as as a couple or as a family with your kids. Here's the challenge. And I'll ask you to raise your hands if you're willing to take this challenge, okay? Here's the challenge. Make a short list 
of the top three things you can do this week in terms of preparations to intentionally guard the Sabbath and preparations to intentionally create the Sabbath. Is that clear enough? Yeah? Three things that, that you want to prepare in advance during the six days so that you don't have to uh, worry about it robbing your rest on the seventh day. Okay? Or uh, maybe another add to that list, something that you can do to fill next Sabbath with creative delight. Yeah? Maybe it's a, you know, a, a special trail that you haven't been to in a while and you just want to get outside so you can in, imbibe your senses with the magnificence of the Creator. Okay? Or maybe it's a connection, a family phone call that, that you haven't gotten to encourage your brother or sister or your long-lost uncle or aunt or whatever that might be. Maybe it's today. Mothers, you want to call your moms. Say, I'm so thankful for how God has blessed me with you. Whatever it is, fill next Sabbath with something that, that you can creatively and inspirationally, joyfully make the Lord weighty through it. So, that's a simple challenge. Make a list. Make a list today of things that you can do this week. Things to prepare to guard the Sabbath, things to prepare to creatively make the Sabbath. So, by the showing of hands, how many of you are willing to actually do that either individually, as a couple, as a family with your kids? How many of you are willing to do that? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we realize today that Sabbath is a sacred privilege that it's this heavenly invitation every seventh day to come back to paradise. God, I want to pray for forgiveness for ways in which we have neglected that, ignored that, uh, become disinterested in that invitation. But God, thank you for your mercy and your patience. I, I pray, God, that as we, as we study this over the next few weeks here, that you would give us openness of heart and mind not just to see things with a new understanding, but to live life in a way that would cause us to delight in the Sabbath. And Lord, as we call the Sabbath a delight, I pray that you would fulfill the promise of Isaiah 58, 14, that then we shall delight ourselves in you. Father, I want to pray specifically for anyone whose, whose relationship with you has been dry, um, who, whose relationship with you has felt distant, and I pray, God, that you would turn it into delight. Father, I ask that as a church, that we would be restorers of this breach and that we would be encouraging one another to seek after you and to find our truest delight, our greatest joy, our deepest satisfaction in you and you alone. Thank you for the gift of the Sabbath and the way that leads us to that. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. On your way out, moms, you can walk through this door and there will be several with some red roses for you. And uh, Brooke will also be in the back there if you'd like to share stories with